Garfield Jeffen! Yo, what's up, faders? Welcome to yet another action-packed episode of God Fitted Japan. I am your host, Johnny. I'm Tom Tom Tokyo. Whoa, you're running a little hot right there, but I think that's all good. Um, as you find folks know, God Fitted Japan is about two dudes booze. Japan in the news. Still a little hot, but that's all good. Tommy, what episode is this? I do believe this is episode 532. 532. And that means only one thing, Faders. That means that this is the very end of our True Crime in Japan series. Now, about 10 episodes ago, we started it, and it was fantastic. It was, it was, we started off with a blast. We started off with Alice, and then we got uh, Sada Abe and a whole lot of other fucked up people. But now we are finishing with the worst. Well, I don't know. Would it be the worst or the most heinous criminals known in Japanese history? Honestly, I find I found this one to be the most disturbing. It's probably one of the most disturbing things I've ever read. So yeah, you, you can look at it that way. Okay, wait, we're doing two stories, right? Is it two stories or one story? Uh, yeah, actually, I, th- I thought I'd keep the tradition alive. I thought I'd go with the double barrel murder. So uh, we got an appetizer, and then we got in the main course. A and double for barrel the appetizer. Of murder. Oh my god! Wait, wait, wait! An appetizer in a main course. Let me guess. The appetizer is going to be a little light, but if I know you, Tommy, a little light is pretty hardcore. That's like eating raw meat, like a raw steak, and then after that, you just get to eat the whole fucking cow as it's still breathing. Yeah. Pretty pretty much. I mean, yeah. If, if the fucking if the first fucking article of the first appetizer doesn't turn your stomach and make you want to fucking vomit, then, oh boy, you're, you're gonna fucking want to turn your insides inside out. Like by the time you get to the second article, because it's fucked. Okay, well, right, so you ready? Without further ado, uh, yeah, let's break into it, man. Uh, bon appetit. All right, so I'm gonna tell you the story of Satoru Fukiyage. Satoru Fukiyage was. Satoru Fukiyage was born on February of 1989 and died on September 28, 1926. Wait, did you say 1989? 1989. Oh, sorry, sorry. Oopsie, sorry. 1889. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, this took place in the 80s. Nice. I love the 80s. He's a time traveler. Oh, oh, 1880s. Oh, okay. All right. So that's way Uh, before World War One. Yeah, it's well before World War One. So yeah, if I didn't mention before, this guy's like the OG serial killer. As far as I can tell, like in uh, Wikipedia's list of major crimes and the other research I turned up, this is like uh, how do you say in modern Japan, this is like their first like original serial killer. So he's like the OG. The OG. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, Japanese rapist and serial killer. Okay, uh, he killed at least seven girls. He murdered his first victim in 1906 and killed six girls between 1923 and 1924. He was tried for for three out of six cases, but his exact number of victims is unknown. He raped a number of women besides the murder victims, and according to one theory, he raped 93 girls and about 100 women. However, some estimates say that he raped well more than 100 women. Whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out. So 93 girls, that must mean like what, under the age or under the legal limit? Like maybe like under 18 or whatever it was at that time. And then 100 Mm. on top of that would be over 18 or something. So basically this guy is like, he's raped almost like 200 girls. I know, dude. That's like, it's just fucked like. I don't know. Wouldn't your dick fall off at that point or something? I don't. I don't fucking know, dude. Oh my god! Busy well, somebody should chop his dick off. That's what should happen. <laughs> fucking a, oh. dude. That's fucking crazy, man. He seems not. He's a serial killer, but he seems more like a serial rapist than killer. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say, man. Like, I think I think he's like a professional. First and foremost, he's a professional serial rapist. But like, you know, the whole murder thing that was just like a side gig he did once in a while. Oh, he's just moonlighting, huh? Oh, man. Okay. Sorry about that. Please read on. Okay. Early life. He was born in Shimogyo, Kyoto, and his family forced him to work at the age of eight, and he frequently changed jobs. At the age of 11, he had sex with a girl about 17 years old, for which he lost his job. So right there, he's starting off real fucking young, dude. Wait, he's 11, and how old is the girl? She's what, 17? Uh, they said about 17. It doesn't say for sure. They think about 17, but like, 17 damn, is 11. Uh, I kind of blame the girl in this one, dude. I mean, she's 17. Yeah, I know, she right? She should be messing around with like a little kid like that. I mean, it's going to fuck him up, which probably it obviously did. Yeah, dude. I mean, no, I, I totally fucking agree with you. Cause like, yeah, dude, he's like still a little kid. You think uh, you think she had some like you know husky fucking raw voice because you know everybody smoked that, that you know, back then you know, she's kind of like hey big boy want to come over my tent over here <laughs> that is true everybody smoked a pipe back then those little crack pipes so he probably had this voice like uh, Mickey Mouse and she probably sounded like um, I don't know Hulk Hogan <laughs> get in the ring <laughs> bitch. <laughs> uh- yeah, I don't know if they were crack pipes, but I know I know everybody knows what we're talking about. But yeah, with those fucking like long stemmed pipes that I guess were fashionable back in the day. But like a little faders, Yoda pipe. please sign up. Yeah, the Yoda pipe. Yeah, faders, please sign up for our Patreon so that we can uh, send you a fucking what is it? Fucking Japanese crack pipe. Yeah, J- Johnny's an artist. He'll even engrave from Got Faded Japan or some shit on it. I could do that. Yeah. So, yeah, surprisingly, though, like, yeah, so he's 11, you say he fucked this girl, and he, like, lost his job for it, so he got fired of it. I'm surprised, man. I think, like, you, you think all the fucking old perverts in there would have been, like, high-fiving them. They would have been, like, 11 years old. You already popped your cherry. Nice. Okay, okay. Probably what happened was she was the boss's daughter, right? And then she fucked this kid that's actually... Actually, he's a kid. He's like a preteen. He's like a child at 11 years old. So, but anyway, you know, the boss find, found out and he's like, uh, yeah, fuck this kid. You're fired. Mm. And then he became what? Yeah. Like Japanese Oliver Twist or something. He's like pickpocketing and shit. Causing havoc. Pretty much. So, yeah, as, as the story continues, at age 12, he was arrested for theft. Fukiyagi, Fukiyagi then learned... Uh, 
was it, was it uh, Kana and Math during the first two months? Oh, and, and calligraphy during the first two two months he spent in jail. He was arrested again for theft soon after his release, and this time he learned classical Chinese while he was in jail. So I guess he's a busy bee. Uh, Fukiage, here's, here's another fucked up part. So Fukiage then had sex with a 54-year-old woman at the age of 17. So, dude, he was 17. He was fucking banging granny. Uh, yeah, he likes older women. Like, like, see, that's what I was going to say originally, but however, this ne- next sentence is going to, like, fucking throw that out the window. He l- later raped the woman's 11-year-old daughter and some other girls in their neighborhood. Ugh. So, no, I, I really yeah, I, re- I really don't think he cares much about their age at this point. Okay. On September 24th, 1906, he raped and murdered an 11-year-old girl at Kinkakuji, which, fun fact, is one of the most famous temples in all of Japan, possibly the most famous. The victim was an acquaintance of his. At the time, he was culturally considered to be 18 years old, although he was 17 years old under the Western age system. In jail, he studied the works of Confucius, Mencius, Socrates, Aristotle, and Nichiren. So in other words, all famous philosophers, which I, I, I don't fucking I, I, I'm just baffled at this point. But whatever. Um, he was released in 1922 and found employment, but was fired due to his criminal past. In 1923, he was ar- arrested for molesting a four year old girl, but was released. Cops really shouldn't have released him. He shouldn't no. have done that. <laughs> no. no, I don't think they should have released him in the first place. No, right? I mean, dude, like, I don't care if he's only 17, but he raped and murdered an 11-year-old girl in a in a temple. Like, they should have just killed him then and just saved everybody a lot of fucking trouble. True. Uh, okay, between Ju- June 1923 and April 1924, he raped and murdered six girls ages 11 to 16. He was arrested on July 28, 1924, and he confessed to 13 murders but later rec- recanted and insisted that he had only murdered six girls and that the police officer had la- asked him a leading question. He wrote a book while still in prison called Shaba, or The Street. He was sentenced to death on May 17, 1925, and the Supreme Court of Japan upheld his death sentence on July 2, 1926. He was executed by hanging on September 28, 1926. The media reported that he went to die nobly and honorably, unlike many prisoners. In his book, he requested that parents take care of their children. Well, that's so, creepy. Fuck. So basically, he's uh, like such- saying, it's, it's not my fault, it's the parents' fault. Fuck this guy. One thing that I find a little bit interesting is he went to jail so many times and he learned so many things, but the one thing that he didn't learn was this fucking lesson. You know, hey, he keeps on going to prison. He's like, God, I keep on going to prison. God, I, I, I should learn something, you know, but he should have learned not to, you know, rape and murder. Yeah, there you go. Hey, man, maybe he maybe he actually liked prison because, you know, he got to study a little bit. It was just like cool down from all the fucking murder and rape he did. I don't fucking know. But yeah, dude, I used to see a picture of this guy. He looks creepy as fuck, too. Looks like he's got a big old scar over his eye, too. It's fucking weird. Well, maybe uh, fucking right. somebody attacks him. I don't know. Well, fuck this guy. All right. I fucking hate stories about these fucking people. Dude. They always just piss me off. OK, next story. OK, so. That's the fucking OG killer. So if that story didn't fucking like, you know, make you want to fucking vomit. This one will. Because again, 
disclaimers, this one's really fucking disturbing. Okay. Last story in the main course. This is the story of Futoshi Matsunaga. Futoshi Matsunaga was born on April 28, 1961, and he is a Japanese serial killer and fraudster. He tortured and murdered at least seven people, including two children between 1996 and 1998. He murdered his victims with an accomplice, Junko Ogata, who was also a victim of his abuse. His his crimes were so atrocious that most mass media were not willing to report the full details. The, J- the Japan Times reported that prosecutors said, quote, the case is without comparison in the criminal history of our country, end quote. Oh, that is bad. Oh, my God. Whatever he did, dude, it was fucking heinous, man. So that right there should let if that isn't a big enough of a disclaimer, that right there should let you know this like that the content after this is gonna be fucking disturbing. Wait, and the media, it was so fucked up that the media didn't even report it really. They're just like in front of some kind of house or warehouse or someplace and they're like Uh yeah, um uh we've got a couple of bodies in there and uh yeah, they're dead. That they're really dead. Uh, okay, uh, and uh, this is Saito with the weather. Next. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yes. Yeah, so the fucked up thing. Well, funnily enough, like, uh, maybe I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler here, but, like, that actually didn't find any bodies. Oh. So that's the fucking twist. Ooh, yeah, it's a bit of a twist. Uh, yeah, funnily enough, actually, like, most of the details we've got in here are actually from independent authors who went out and researched the books because actually it was the, the shit in it was so fucked up the fucking newspapers wouldn't print it. It's that bad. That bad with so, no bodies. That that's gotta be no even worse. Like we just found like a bucket of intestines and uh they're human. <laughs> uh uh Saito, uh fucking play that weather or something. It's, it's gonna rain. Just just get get the camera off me. Oh my god. All right, Tom, please read on, man. It's got to be really bad. All right, I, need, uh, I need another drink. Yeah, I'm going I'm to take, take a sip of my wine first. I'm actually drinking wine tonight. I don't know why, but... Because mm. you're classy. You're classy. It's Friday yeah. night and you're classy. Mmm. Yeah, okay. So, Futoshi Matsunaga was born in Kokurakita Ward of the city of Kitakyushu in Fukuoka Prefecture. And grew up in Yanagawa. Fun fact, Kitakyushu in Fukuoka Prefecture is actually my hometown in Japan, where I lived for the first two years of living here. So I'm familiar with the area. Anyway, uh, Matsunaga received good grades in school and had a charming personality, but tended to exhibit disciplinary problems. He was a juvenile delinquent and was transferred due to having a sexual relationship and possibly living with a junior high school girl when, when he was in high school. He married a woman at the age of 19 and had a child. However, despite being married, Matsunaga was involved with at least 10 different mistresses. On October 1982, during his marriage, he became involved with Junko Ogata, one of his former schoolmates from Yanagawa. In 1984, Matsunaga promised to marry Junko, but her mother, Shizumi Ogata, did not approve of the relationship because of Matsunaga's abuse of her daughter. Matsunaga then raped Shimizu as a result. 
1985, Matsunaga convinced Junko that her family hated her because of a suicide attempt that she had previously done and persuaded her to move in with him. So right there, that's a fucking lot. That's pretty Just heavy. Everything. Man. That that's that's pretty chaotic. <laughs> How old is he at this time? He's like what? He's uh what, nineteen? Uh let me do the math. No, he's he's older than that. He's an adult, but like, yeah, but like, yeah, he's fucking on his way with at least ten other women. Jesus, man, he's a busy bee. How much poontang does this guy need? And uh yeah, but the the kicker, the find the thing that I find out is fucked up. So like he said he wanted to marry, like, you know, Junko. But her mother wasn't cool with this because, you know, he's an abusive dick. But then he just responded by raping his mother-in-law to be. It's like, what the fuck, dude? That, that's fucked up, Oh, my God. Could you imagine if he did marry Junko? Do you think she'd be at the wedding? <laughs> Does anybody object to this wedding? <laughs> I'm sure there'd at least be one person there. And the husband. Oh, my God. Her dad. Oh, fuck, dude. Wait, this took place in the 80s, right? Yes, this was in the 80s, yeah. So, yeah, or maybe, maybe one of his pregnant mistresses would object. <laughs> okay, so it's at this point in the story that, and yes, this is where the Joker meets his Harley, meets and shapes his Harley Quinn. So here's a little info uh, about her before we go on. Junko Ogata was born in Kurume, Fukuoka Prefecture and grew up in a wealthy family. She was Matsunaga's schoolmate in high school, but she did not know him very well, and he was transferred to another school, which he talked about. So she was originally a gentle person and got a job at a preschool, but changed after she started dating Matsunaga in 1982. Ogata had remained a virgin until she became involved with Matsunaga, but he suspected her of having relationships with other men. Okay, so after graduating high school, Ogata had headed off to junior college uh, upon completing... uh, Sorry, yeah. Ogata had headed off to junior college upon completing high school and gained qualifications to become, become a kindergarten teacher. She began working at a kindergarten near her home in the spring of 1992. Quote, she was a polite young lady who enjoyed being with kids. She really tried her hardest and, until the start of 1985, was never late or called in sick, the head of the kindergarten explained. However, something went drastically wrong with Ogata in 1985. She collapsed on the day that the parents were invited to see the children's classes and was permitted to take one week off of work. Quote, even after the week had finished, she didn't come back to work. We went to her house to wish her well, but we couldn't find her anywhere. She then turned up on payday, but since then I haven't seen her again. I even had to hand her severance pay to her mother, end quote, the principal said. Some rumors may have popped up uh, uh, as to why Ogata strayed from the path of the straight and narrow. Quote, I heard whispers that she quit kindergarten because she'd found herself a bloke, an old neighbor of Ogata says. Quote, other rumors say she joined up with Matsunaga at the time. End quote. The same year, Matsunaga also purchased a building in which he could operate a, a futon business which he called The World, and he made Ogata an executive. Afterwards, he began to electrically shock employees on the third floor of the building. Matsunaga would sometimes suddenly shout towards other men, saying things like, quote, there is a spirit behind you. It is sucking away your fortune and energy, end quote. He also made several and various re- references to religious terms like Samsara and Kami. 
which are Japanese spirits or gods or whatever. He also started. Uh, he he uh, also started uh, selling a, a, a antiques with his company, and it uh, rose to occupy a three-story building and it had flourished during the early days of the bubble economy. However, his world took a tumble in 1992 when the company was swamped with bills it couldn't pay. Masunaga. <laughs> yeah. All his fucking child support from all the chicks he's knocked up before, right? Well, I mean, if he's electrocuting all his customers and stuff, I mean, you got to pay for that. Johnny, he wasn't electrocuting his customers. He was electrocuting his employees. Get it straight. But yeah, all the fucking work, workers comp and all the people that sued him, all the fucking love children, child support, all the love children he's got running around on whatever bullshit this guy's into. <laughs> it's a busy guy, man. I swear to God, this this guy is though the fucking Japanese Joker. Japanese uh, okay. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So Matsunaga disappeared, and police issued a warrant for his arrest for fraud. Quote. Most of the people he did business with looked like they were gangsters because Matsunaga had, n- had done this a lot over. He just disappeared. He knew if anybody from the underworld got a hold of him, he was a dead man. End quote. An acquaintance uh, from the time told reporters. By 1992, Matsunaga had stolen 180 million yen through fraud or blackmail. He and Junko evaded, the police, evaded police capture and were put on Japan's most wanted list. And right now, this is the part where things start to really break bad. Matsunaga's first victim was a married woman with three children. In April of 1993, he convinced her to leave her husband and run away with him, telling the woman that Junko was actually his sister. One of her children died under mysterious circumstances in September of 1993. Her two other children were went to live with their their father and grandfather in October of 1993. During their relationship, Matsunaga defrauded the woman of 11.8 million yen. The, the woman then died mysteriously in March of 1994. The police were not able to prove that Matsunaga had killed the woman or her child. So once again, this is where the cops dropped the ball. So this guy is kind of like a Black Widow. Yeah, yeah, there's there's going to be a running theme going on with that. But yeah, he's like the fucking, he's definitely a lady killer. And he's still married. And, uh, he's got every- tons of kids. And then little Junko's just kind of like falling behind him and stuff. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a fucked up thing. Like, So him and Junko never actually got married. Um, I'm assuming his his uh his wife from his pre- that had his kid from a previous marriage divorced his ass after a certain while, but like, I don't get it, man. Like this guy's wanted for fraud, and the cops were after him. But then like he, mar- he married and defrauded this other woman, took her money, and then like her and her kid died under serious circumstances. And the cops were like, "Well, couldn't just find any proof that he did something wrong." It's like, how about the fucking fraud? Yeah. Wait, did they they didn't use DNA back then? If they did, you know, they probably would have caught him. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah, I'm just I'm just kind of wondering how this is allowed to go on. But anyway, all right, so let's uh, read on. Um, Toshi Matsunaga lived in a condominium in Kitakyushu. In 1994, he began victimizing Kumio Toraya and his daughter. Kumio had previously confided to Matsunaga some information about his previous criminal history. 
and Matsunaga began using his inf- this information to blackmail Kunio. Oh, fun, fun, fun fact about this guy. This guy's kind of a dumbass. Not only, I, I forget what, he, what his criminal past was, but it wasn't anything re- really all that hardcore. But, like, he just made up a bunch of bullshit about crimes he did, hadn't done and said, I don't, I don't know, just to brag. Why would you do that? <laughs> you ever see the movie oh, no. Scarface? <laughs> that was me. Are you at Harajuku with some out-of-town friends or your family or significant others? Yeah! Do you want to chill and drink beer and eat sandwiches while your friends overpay for glitter unicorn socks? Yeah! And the flavor's gonna make you complete at Harry's Sandwich Company. So come on down to Harry's Sandwich Company in the heart of Harajuku, right off Takeshita Street. See you there! If you're gonna get your fit on, you gotta get your fit on in style. And that's why I use Ghost Town Palmade. Ghost Town Palmade is the number one badass palmade, and I practice what I preach. When I leave this house, if I'm not wearing a hat, if I'm not wearing a lid, I'm wearing Ghost Town Palmade in my hair. This stuff is amazing. It smells good, it looks good, and it feels good. Ghost Town Palmade, badass palmade. And let me tell you one thing, it comes in a lid. That's pretty badass. This whole world is so nerfed up these days. Everything is plastic and pink, but not Ghost Town Palmade. This stuff is a man's palmade, and it is hardcore. It's so hardcore, it's from Oakland, California. Oakland, California. That's right. Ghost Town Palmade. Get your fade on in style. Proper. Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, faders? If you're in Asia, if you're in Japan, if you're in Tokyo, if you're in Asagaya, you better get down to Mitsuya Liquors. That's right. For the most affordable prices in Japan, you can get over 300 different kinds of beer. That's right. Over 300 different kinds of beer. And of course, they got all the shochu you need, all the sake you need. And of course, they got wine from California to Italy to France to New Zealand. They got it all. When I say they got it all, they really, seriously got it all. There's no joke about that. So get down to Mitsuya Liquors. And if you go in there and you say, got fit of Japan, you will be more than welcome to go into their back room and drink those beers that you just purchased. That's right. Got fit of Japan at Mitsuya Liquors. And three times a week, they have a sushi chef there. So get your sushi on, get your drink on, get your fade on, and come on down to Mitsuya Liquors, located comfortably in Asagaya. About five-minute walk from the station. Mitsuya Liquors. Hey, yo, what's up, faders? Johnny here. You know I love booze and news, but I also love art. So come on down to thespiltink.com and check my art out. I've got tons of stuff there for you to check out. And I've got paintings, I've got prints, I've got videos. And I tell you what, if you like a painting, I can probably sell it to you. And I tell you what, if I can't sell you that painting, I will definitely sell you a print. I've got prints of all my work. Prints are about 2,000 N each, about 20 bucks. But if you buy two, you get the third one for free. So come on down to thespiltink.com. Yo, and on top of that, I'm looking for commissioned work. So if there's something that you want me to do, I can make it for you. Just check out my stuff and see if you like my style. And if you like my style, I can definitely paint you anything on canvas, paper, whatever. I've done it all. So come on down to thespiltink.com. That is T-H-E-S-P-I-L-T-I-N-K.com. Thespiltink.com. Proper. Uh, Kumio and his daughter were held captive in Matsunaga's room. Matsunaga tortured Kumio with electric shocks, 
forced him to eat his own feces and forced his daughter to bite her father. Kumio was 34 when he died of the effects of this abuse on February 26th of 1996. Jesus. So he died of being, he died of like maybe a heart attack because he's getting electrocuted too much. And then, or maybe just poison if he's eating his own feces. Yeah, he died of take your fucking pick, dude. All that fucking torture and abuse. You know, and like that, that's guy... a brief summary. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll go for it. The... No, no. I mean, I mean, yeah, he died of take your fucking pick of all the torture and abuse. That's a brief summary. Uh, we'll have more on that later. But uh, yeah, sorry. You're going to say something? Yeah, you know, you're saying that you're saying before that this guy is like, uh, what Japanese Joker? But the thing is, the more I listen to like his hijinks, he sounds more like Electro, dude, because he's electro electrocuting his employees and he's torturing people with electricity. This guy is like Electro. Yeah, but elect electro was kind of a dumbass though, and he was just so like, so you know, how do you guy. say? Like, yeah, okay, I, I get that, but Electro didn't like have any like clear motivation other than you know just rob like banks and get rich, you know. Well, that's what this guy's doing. Yeah, true, but like, yeah, okay, Electro wasn't sadistic, though. He was kind of a bully, but he wasn't, like, sadistic like this guy is. Anyway, anyway. all right, we'll, we'll read on. <clears throat> okay, uh, Matsunaga then convinced Kumio's daughter that she, ha she had been the one that had murdered her father. He told Junko and the girl to dispose of their remains. Kumio's remains were thrown into the sea near uh, Kunisaki Peninsula after being pulverized. All right, so that that that's the basics of that. Okay, basically, since she's gonna be this uh, unnamed daughter is gonna be really important. So since she's really central to the story, we'll get back to her a little bit later. But uh, let's go on with the other stuff. Right. Soon after, Matsunaga found another target in a female acquaintance of Kumio. He convinced the woman that he was a graduate of Kyoto University and promised to marry her. Instead, he defrauded her of 5.6 million yen. As before, the woman and her daughter were confined to Matsunaga's apartment. The woman escaped by jumping from the second floor in March of 1997. She was then put into the care of a mental ho hospital, and her daughter was released. Fuck. How is this? How is this guy not in fucking jail by now? I have no idea. I have no idea. He should have been in jail a long time ago. But how come? You know, I mean. Maybe he knew somebody that could make, like, I don't know, like, uh, fake IDs or something or something. I don't know. I have no idea. Th this sounds more like a really, really, really horrible comic book or this is not or fucking a movie. It sounds like a fucking movie from the 80s. Like Fatal Attraction. This is like Fatal Attraction. That's what this is. But 10 times over. Okay. All right. Continue on with the story. Okay. The following month, Junko left for work and did not return. Matsunaga contacted her family, threatening them with threatening them and blackmailing Shizumi over the 1985 rape. Matsunaga then faked his own suicide, prompting Junko to return, whereupon she found him waiting for her and, and was then sub subjected to continued abuse. So Junko got out and then he pulled her back in. Yeah, so basically, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't, didn't find too many details about this, but like, I guess he's cir somehow circulated the rumor that he killed himself or something, and then she was like, "Oh, well, maybe I should, you know, maybe I should go back and get my stuff," 
And then, like, she found him wait, waiting for her, like, you know, in fucking classic horror movies where, you know, she just walks into the apartment. She's like, oh, OK, maybe I'll maybe get this, maybe that, get that, close this chapter, uh, awful chapter of my life and just move on. Then the door slams behind her and she is like that lock click. And then like, he's uh, clapping. Fuck. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah. knew you'd be back. <laughs> Say hello to your mom, by the way. Oh, and also after that. So, yeah. So, uh, so that happened. He, she, he lured her back in and then continued to abuse her. And here we go. He also raped Junko's married sister, just for shits and giggles at this point. Uh, Junko's family then gave him 65 million yen, which is over $600,000, to Matsunaga, after he then uh, held them captive and psychologically controlled them in ways similar to the methods used uh, by the cult leader uh, Shoko Asara, Asahara. He so executed um, um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically the Om cult leader that, you know, the sarin gas attack and a bunch of other horrific shit. Okay, quote, Matsunaga's hideous sexual proclivities were horrifying. Matsunaga forced his common-law mother, uh, sorry, sorry, his common-law, yeah, his common-law's wife's mother to take part in simulated rape several times, and he used a stun gun on the genitals of Ogata's niece, who was only a little girl, 10 years old at the time, giving her a huge electric shock. Oh, fuck, dude. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, so, uh, this is what an investigator with uh, Shukan Gendai says. Uh, quote, when we raided Matsunaga's home, we found loads of pornographic photos and videos that he had taken. Yeah. Did you want to say something? No, dude, I'm speechless. Yeah. Okay. We found a bunch of porn, uh, yeah, pornographic photos and videos we had taken. Uh, there were even photos where Matsunaga had taken pictures of naked women walking around with vibrators still inserted to, in the, inside themselves. End quote. On December twenty first of nineteen ninety seven, Matsunaga coerced Junko to shock her sixty one year old father, Takashigi, to the point of death. So, yeah, he made his fucking living girlfriend kill her father. When Shizumi's mental state began to deteriorate, she began uh, and she began to hear voices and ghosts. Matsunaga commanded Rieko and her husband Kazuya to strangle her on Jan January 20th, 1998. So, OK, so for his living girlfriend, he's like basically fucking told to kill her father with electric shocks, which he does. The fucking... Girls, his living girlfriend's mother just loses her fucking mind because she can't take it. And then he orders her daughter and her husband to fucking kill the mother, which they fucking do. And this what is all inside. Like, where is this? This is inside his own apartment. Yeah. So he's got his own yeah, little house, house of horrors somewhere in Fukuoka right now. And fucking he's just like electrocuting dudes and shit and having all sorts of really horrific, really, really, really bad kinky sex. Like the worst of the worst and shit. And he's getting it all on camera. VHS at that. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. Uh, several weeks later, he commanded Kazuya to strangle Rieko while, while their 10-year-old daughter, Aya, held her down. Yeah, so he, he ordered his, like, yeah, his, like, yeah, fucking told a husband to kill his wife, basically, in front of their 10-year-old daughter. What the fuck? Matsunaga and Junko then confined Kazuya to the bathroom, where he starved to death on April 13th in 1998. 
Matsunaga then forced Junko and Aya to kill Reiko, Rieko's five-year-old son, Yuki. During the trial, Kumio's daughter testified that Matsunaga and Junko had tortured Aya with electricity. Junko refuted the testimony, saying the girl's recollections might have been inaccurate because of guilty feelings about committing her first murder. Kumio's daughter, uh, sorry, Kumio's daughter strangled Aya on June 7, 1998. Matsunaga and Ogata dismembered and boiled their victims' remains in pots and then finally disposed of them in, in uh, public toilets or in, in, into the sea. Matsunaga blamed the murders on Junko, who, with their two children, were only were only survivors of her family. Jesus Christ. You That's, know what? This is like this is like real life Japanese house of a thousand corpses because you got all these people locked up in cages and shit and one has to kill another one to survive which has to kill another one which has to kill another one so it's like this chain of murders and this guy's is like the mastermind of all of it and stuff have you seen Saw man this is kind of like Saw this is Japanese Saw right here I agree man yeah this I'm seeing similar episodes uh minus like well, there's a, lot, there's a lot of murder and torture in Saw, but, like, I remember, like, all the traps and all the crazy fucked up. This is just, like, like fucking dark Jedi mind control or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's definitely using the dark side of the Force. Yeah. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, but he's not done yet. In July of 2000, Matsunaga convinced another woman to run away with him. Lured by the prospect of marriage, in August of 2001, she gave her twin children to him and Junko. Matsunaga and Junko then convinced the woman to give them 20 million yen, $200,000, telling her that they would need the money to bring up her children. So, yeah, that's another one that's in there. However, out of all the victims, Kumio's daughter may have suffered the worst. Here's an account of what happened to her. Because remember, Kumio's daughter is not named in this story, like I mentioned earlier. Quote, it was such a shocking experience that opening up about it was the only way she could deal with it. She said that in the period before her father was killed in about 1996, the couple set about making her and her father hate each other. They were forced to punch each other upon fear of being given a jolt from a stun gun. Matsunaga and Ogata ordered her to punch her father as hard as she could. That experience really seemed to have hurt her, end quote. The uh, friend told uh, the Shukan Gentai, quote, Matsunaga and Ogata only let them eat scraps from their table, literally. In the cold winter, the girl and her father were locked up in a freezing bathroom while the couple sprayed ice-cold water down on them. It was torture. She did say, though, that she had some pleasant dreams about her dad after he had died, the girl also talked about the, a stew that Matsunaga and Ogata made using her father's body parts and how Matsunaga insisted that she drink the broth. He isn't human, end quote. So this fuck? now is a combination of Saw, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and uh, Cannibal Corpse. Let's just throw Cannibal Corpse in there just because. But yeah, this is like a combination of every really hardcore horror movie. I, I, this is just like, this is like the worst of the worst. Have they made a movie after? I mean, they can't make a movie. The movie's already been done. <laughs> I mean, and the movies. Uh, I, I, I'll get to, I'll get to that in the end. There's, there's something you can check out. Oh, they probably made it into a comic. <laughs> of course. Okay. Yeah, go uh, for it. I, okay. Okay. And if that wasn't bad enough, here's another account. 
A blood-curdling scream erupted from the 17-year-old girl's mouth as she ripped off her toenails one by one with a pair of pliers. Despite the banshee-like cries, Junko Ogata looked on, apparently emotionless. Ogata and Matsunaga, who stood by the door of their Kitakyushu apartment to make sure the girl could not escape. They had been taking care of the 17-year-old girl for the past seven years ever since they had moved in with her and her father. Nobody knows exactly what happened to the girl's father. She has told the police that the pair killed him, cut his uh, body into small parts, and forced her to help help them throw the pieces uh, from a ferry into the ocean. Days after her toenail torment, the 17-year-old girl managed to flee, uh, managed to flee, and eventually escaped from Matsunaga on January 30th of 2002. Matsunaga found the girl on February 15th and took her back into captivity. He then tortured the, her again with more electric shocks. On March 6th, the girl escaped uh, again from Matsunaga and this time reported his crimes to the police. She was only 17 years old at the time. The police arrested Matsunaga and Junko the next day and they, when they tried to retrieve the girl. The twins and the couple's two children were take, then taken into police custody and protection. Okay, so yeah, so it's basically over. Uh, according to the neighbors, quote, they called themselves the Hashimoto family, and the girl referred to Ogata as her aunt. But she always looked really sad and gloomy, a neighbor at the time recalls. More like the Manson family. At around this, yeah, no shit, right? At around this time, Matsunaga and Ogata apparently began referring to themselves as Yonigea, or those who people help people vanish into the night. In 1996, the father of the girl... Uh, uh, were were uh, sorry the the, the blah, 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 sorry I, I fucked up in the typing. Uh, were uh, the pair was accused of kidnapping and disappearing without a trace. Sinister outcomes that back up the girls' claims have murder have been suggested. Okay, so they never actually found any bodies. In other words, I I know I wrote that a little bit fucked up. That's as my fault for not proofreading it. But yeah, but like they never actually found any bodies. Like this whole case case is basically on based on her testimony and like that the fact that a lot of people just fucking disappeared. That is more terrifying. That is more terrifying. Holy shit. But, I mean, there's got to be DNA, like, all over that house. There's got to be, like, at least, like, what, what, five, seven, seven different people's, like, DNA, like, blood splatters here, there, or something, maybe a tooth in a wall or something. I mean, (laughs) Oh, no, no, there was remains. There was blood splatters, like, obviously. Like, no no amount of bleach is going to get that shit out. Yeah, totally, man. I I mean... Yeah, I, I don't know if I actually covered that in the article, but yeah, like they, they did actually. I, I would hate to be the fucking people responsible having to clean that fucking place. Oh, God, could you imagine? It would be like just in like the first original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The girl opens the door and there's like fucking like piano that's all made of like human bones and shit. I mean, seriously, dude, there's got to be some kind of fucked up evidence there, man. I mean, and then the girl, the girl, the, the little girl that the 17 year old girl that ripped down her own like toenails and stuff. She's got to be so mentally screwed, dude. Right now, 17 and 96. That means, dude, she's like your age right now. Mm. She's your age and she's running around Japan somewhere, dude. Holy smokes. And she's got to be out of her mind, dude. She's well, she's probably in a mental hospital, to be honest. I mean, there's no way she can lead a normal life after that kind of bullshit. Actually, no, she's not. Um, I got I got a little bit of information to her at the end because I guess like um, 
I don't know. As, as sad as to say, I guess like she's essentially as close as it comes to being the hero of the story. Um, but, 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 okay, yeah. Quote for about a week in the summer of '97, we could hear the noise of a saw being used in their apartment until around 3 a.m. The neighbor told reporters, and there was this vile smell that permeated the entire block. End quote. Oh my god. At which god. point? At which point you should call the fucking police? Jesus Christ. Yeah, dude. When you smell death coming from your neighbor's place, you gotta call the cops. You gotta call the cops. You're like, you know what? Um, I'm gonna pull the plug and, uh, yeah, take these guys down. Holy shit. Especially a saw at three o'clock in the morning. Dude, all right. It might be industrial music. Maybe they're having like a little rave or something going on. <laughs> but chances are they're cutting up a body at three o'clock in the morning, dude. Yo, what's up, faders? It's your boy, Johnny. I have an opportunity for you. Well, in fact, I have 50 opportunities for you. A few years ago, I painted all 50 American states. And in each and every state, I painted in all major city names, the state's cultural icons, pop culture that pertains to that specific state, and a whole lot more fun, interesting, and educationally groovy stuff. The project took me over eight months to complete, and now they're yours forever. I have digital prints available for download on the Spilt Inks Etsy shop. These prints started off at about five bucks a pop, but not anymore. These high resolution prints are a dollar each. They're yours for a dollar each. So brighten up your walls and expand your mind with your favorite state. These prints are a dollar each, and they're worth so much more. These are these, these paintings are absolutely incredible. You're gonna love them. And if you don't like the state project, that's cool, that's cool. Johnny still has love for you. But check out the Spilled Inks Etsy shop to find all sorts of other wild art that will save your soul and blow your mind. So go down to the show notes for a direct link to the Spilled Inks Etsy shop. Go there, shop away, support the show because we love you and we love art too. So faders, without further ado, enjoy the show. Yeah, man. Like, come on, using a saw at three in the morning. No, they're up to no good. Come on. No good. No good. Uh, the media had initially reported, uh, sorry, sorry, the media initially reported only that Matsunaga and Junko had held their ca- victims captive, similar to the case of Fusako Sano, until the until deaths of the couple's murders, sorry, details of the couple's murders emerged. Sano was another famous and widely publicized case. She was kidnapped at the age of uh, nine by a mentally unstable man and held captive for nine years and two months before finally escaping. <laughs> Uh, the pair was charged with Aya's murder on September 18th, 2002, Takashige's murder on October 12th, 2002, Shizumi's murder on December 6th, 2002, Yuki's murder on January 11th, 2003, Kumio's murder on February 3rd, 2003, Reiko's, uh, Rieko's murder on February 25th, 2003, and Kazuya's murder on May 30th, 2003. No murder charges were brought against Kumio's daughter, uh, Junko calmly confessed to her part in the murders, but Matsunaga insisted that the woman, women had fabricated their stories about him. Police never recovered any human remains and found no physical evidence, so they r- relied primarily on, upon the testimonies of Kumio's and Junko's daughters during the investigation. It was during the course of the trial that Junko Ogata finally realized that Matsunaga had repeatedly raped her mother. Oh, shit. <laughs> Surprise! Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you forgot about that, right? 
The mom didn't like, say yeah, anything? Yeah. That's fucking crazy. She probably did, but he's mind controlling. He's like, yeah, you know, your mom's a little bit cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. You know, she's just like to tell crazy stories. Oh, man, that's insane. God, this is like Sid and Nancy. But in this case, the dude is Nancy. And then the chick, the girl, Junko, she's Sid. But they're still mm. both pretty bad. Oh, man. This is insane, dude. This is pretty insane. So they both went up the river for murdering what? It seems like what eight people, probably more. Uh, I think I think the count was seven that they know of, I believe. And for every murder, there's like kidnapping and all sorts of other like fucking horrific hijinks, man. So uh, yeah, dude, uh, what happened to these guys? Were they in prison? Did they write a book? <laughs> Yeah, uh, let's see. Bah, 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 bah. Okay, bloodthirsty, sadomasochistic lovers, Hitoshi Matsunaga and Junko Ogata may have uh, been sent- sentenced to swing from the gallows. There are some who say executing the couple uh, convicted of killing seven people, that killing them once isn't enough. You got to kill them at least twice. Uh, that, that, that's, uh, that's a quote from one of the newspapers. Uh, actually, I think I believe one of the headlines. Uh, Fukuoka District Court's Kokura branch held down the death penalty uh, to Ogata and Matsunaga, saying that their crimes have been, quote, cruel, twisted, and inhumane, end quote. <laughs> On December 28th of 2005, a district court in Fukuoka sentenced Matsunaga and Juko to die by hanging. They tried six cases, but cons- uh, considered that they had not killed Takashige directly, but it only injured him by electric shocks, which was later re- later resulted in his death. So they went they went down with six murders, which Jesus Christ, on the top of all this other carnage, is like just pick a fucking crime. Just say they're fucking guilty at all. You know, that that's crazy that like, you know, they would just like after being like uh, accused of what seven like what seven murders, right? First, and then they're just like, no, 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 no. It was six because that guy we electrocuted him, but he had a heart attack, so we did not do it directly. We didn't want him to die, so so it was actually six, not seven. All right. <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean to electrocute him to death. I just wanted to scare him. Matter of fact, he looked real scared right before his heart exploded. And, wait, 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 wait. And he's the one that ate his daughter's poop, right? Uh, no, that's actually no, no, no. The 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 one they're talking about there is the uh, uh, Junko's father. Oh, Junko's father was the one that. Okay, all right. So, okay, gotcha. Yeah. And dude, if if you're confusing names or confusing people in this story, don't feel fucking bad because like, I've I've read I've poured over the fucking details and I was I I was getting confused the first time I read this because there's just so they throw so many names at you and like they're all, their fates and like you know fucking actions are all fucked up so like yeah, don't feel bad about that. Yeah, well I'm completely confused. The one thing I do know is these two motherfuckers tortured the fuck out of these poor souls and then they took all their money they took all their money and they tortured them and stuff it, it was completely unnecessary to do any of that you know and they seemed smart enough where they could have got a job but they took the easy way out and they lived a life of crime and where did they wind up tom the gallows the gallows shit i know that's, that's another thing i mean and i realized this guy was a shithead but like after all the fucking money they stole, like that, that, that was like you you total up everything they did, and that was over like that was a couple million bucks, dude. At that point, why why don't you just say fuck it and just move to like I don't know fucking like another you know nice country with warm tropical sandy beaches that doesn't have an extradition treaty with Japan? 
Well, I don't know. Easy come, easy go, man. That's the thing, man. These people, once they, like, for example, uh, let's see, Point Break, right? The movie Point Break. Remember that movie? Keanu Reeves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Keanu Patrick Swayze. Yeah, that's, that's right. a fucking bomb-ass movie. Like it, no, it's fucking great. It's fucking great, dude. Anyway, what they did was that the surfers, they would rob banks when, like, it wasn't surfing season, and then they would just blow all the money, like, in the winter, right? And then once it was surfing yeah, season yeah. again, you know, and then, then that's how they lived, you know? So, like, half the year they're committing crimes, and the other half they're just blowing all the money and stuff. So that's probably what these guys did, right? They would, like... Kidnap a couple of people, you know, and then they would torture them, get all their money. So it was party time at the whorehouse. And that's whorehouse with an H, not whorehouse with a W. But maybe it was kind of a combination of both of them. I don't know. But anyway, it was party time. Yeah, it's the fucking sickest party I've ever heard of. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, it is fucked up how they split hairs in that last fucking death. Uh, anyway, the pair appealed the verdict. On September 26, 2007, the Fukuoka High Court upheld Matsunaga's original sentence, but Junko's sentence was changed from death to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole because Matsunaga had exerted mind control over Ogata to force her to kill her victims. Well, it doesn't actually say mind control, but they, they, they agree that he was like kind of like fucking the puppet master was pulling the strings. Kinda, but uh, yeah, I think I think they're two peas in a pod, dude. It is Sid and Nancy at that point. Maybe not at the beginning, but in the end, dude, basically they're in it together. You know, I mean, she was watching the 17-year-old kid pull on her toenails and shit. I mean, dude, this she should hang. If you ask me, and I'm against capital punishment, right? But this bitch should hang. No, I, no, I agree with you. Like, I cut out the part. I did find some other information, like... Some some writer tried to actually kind of quote unquote defend her and say, well, it's not her fault. She was just mind controlled by the sicko. And I'm, I'm just thinking, fuck you, dude. Fuck you. Uh, that Yeah, I also I, I, like, yeah, the whole fucking toenail pulling scene. I find it like, you know, especially disturbing why she just kind of sat there emotionlessly, emotionlessly, uh, emotionlessly and watched her pull this, uh, you know, fucking teenage girl pull her toenails out and scream like a banshee. You know, in her head, she's thinking, hmm, wonder what we'll have, in, have for dinner tonight. Meatloaf? Nah, we had meatloaf last week. Let's try pizza. Just like, what the fuck? What the fuck indeed. So, all right, pop culture. Was this made into a movie, a comic? Uh, I don't know, maybe a kabuki? Uh, all right, well, let's get into it. Okay, so Aftermath and Legacy. As for the unnamed, and uh, sorry, as for the unnamed girl who escaped and acted as a star witness to bring them to justice, uh, acquaintances report that quote, despite having been put through a living hell, the girl now a woman of 21 is finding her feet. She goes to night school and has a part-time job at a kid's home. She didn't go to high school much. She also got her driver's license as soon as she turned 18. Now she's really cheerful. She sometimes even laughs. She looks happy, and with a bit of makeup, she's actually quite the looker. The friend had, the end quote, the friend had explained, quote, nevertheless, the dark days the young woman went through have apparently not entirely disappeared. She hates Matsunaga and Ogata with a vengeance, the friend further told Shukan Gendai. She said, I hope they get executed as soon as possible. So that's the aftermath of that. So, I don't know, is, is this girl, like, driven mad or is she actually kind of maybe getting mad I, I don't know man i don't know how you'd ever get o get over something like that but it sounds like you know she's got something going for her so you know good for her 
Okay. And finally, in the epilogue, in 2019, Sion Sono announced that he, he was making a project called The Forest of Love, which is based on Matsunaga's crimes. It was released uh, by Netflix on October 11th, 2019. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's called The Forest of Love. It, wait, it's a documentary or it's a, it's a movie about this? Like a movie based on a true story. It does not specify. Title is uh, dude, I'm looking this shit up, Forest dude. Of Forest yeah. of Love. Actually, shit, I kind of dropped the ball. I probably should have looked this up myself. Yeah, you probably should have. <laughs> yeah. Forest of Love. I'm looking it up right now. Oh! <clears throat> <gasps> Forest of Love. It's on Netflix. Holy smokes. A con man and a witty yeah, filmmaker crew. Huh? Yeah, I just said that. It was, it was on Net, released on Netflix in October last year. Yeah, no, but I'm looking it up, and I just looked it up. And anyway, yep, here it is. Uh, a common and a would-be filmmaking crew force themselves into the lives of two grief-scarred young women, but nothing is as it seems. Well, we know what happens. Holy smokes, two mm. hours and 31 minutes of pure carnage. Forest of Love, Faders. So if you want to learn more about this, uh, yeah, definitely check out The Forest of Love. Um, I'm sure it does not have a happy ending. I mean, probably the happiest ending that it has is probably quite similar to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> they don't have happy mm. endings, by the way. Oh, man. Well, Tom, I guess that's it. We basically... Finished the last chapter of Japanese true crime. Our series is finished. And I would like to see somebody try to top it because I think you did a pretty good job, dude. A double barrel of murder, rape, and mayhem, which took place in the last couple hundred years in Japan. And man, you completely crushed it with your facts, details, and with my comedic wit. It was pretty goddamn good, dude. It was pretty good. I, I was impressed. I was impressed. I think we should like make this into yeah, like a it. box set and sell it somehow. There you go. Yeah. So, 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 what do you think? Do you think that last fucking that last crime I read? Do you think it was the fucking worst, and most disturbing? Because that's what that's how I feel. Uh, overall, I mean, dude, I think they're all really bad. I mean, they were all really, really bad. I mean, um, if you compare this to some of them, it's not. It's more horrific than others. I mean, for example, um, Abe, the Abe one. Well, that one was pretty bad, but it's not as bad as this. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, and, and the most horrific thing is they didn't find the bodies. Dude, that's yeah. crazy, man. Then again, a lot of yeah. times they well, don't I'm, find the bodies. Yeah. But even though even the whole Sada Abe like, like thing, like I'm not, I'm not saying like her, her, her murdering someone was right. But like she only killed one person, and that guy was kind of a dick anyway. So it's like it's not like I really felt bad for him. Also, the fact that she cut his off his cock and balls and walked around, and I'm like, come on, man, the jokes just write themselves. With that that one, like, ooh, ooh, I don't know, I don't know how many joke make jokes about this. No, oh, that's true. That's definitely true, man. But uh, yeah, it was really hard to make jokes <laughs> in this episode. It was try. It was really hard to find the humor. <laughs> 
you know, it's like, uh, yeah, he's more like Electro um, opposed to Joker. I mean, he kind of is like a Joker Electro-esque. But you got to say, Joker Joker used a lot of different kinds of weapons. I, I think his, his favorite weapon was like the 38 Special. Electro was obviously electricity. And this guy, I think he electrocuted almost all of his, his victims. I mean, it seems like one right after the other, one way or another, they're getting electrocuted. I mean, he had a mattress company. That's how he started off, dude. He sold mattresses. Have you seen Rambo First Blood Part 2? The mattress is a very effective way to electrocute somebody. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, okay, I, I kind of forgot about that. Uh, no shit. I don't know, man, but, but like... Think about Joker. Remember, I remember one of his signature like gadgets was always uh, the fucking like joy buzzer he had, where he'd shock people with. So I don't know, man. There's that Joker thing in there. Oh, that is true. That is true. And Joker was also kind of a rapist. You, you've read the Killing Joke, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We freaking he shot Barbara Garden and like paralyzed her, and then proceeded to rape her. Yeah, took photos of it and showed her dad. So yeah, I guess I guess you're right. This is kind of like the combination of like the Joker. Leatherface, Electro, uh, and uh, yeah, the, the the whole band of Cannibal Corpse, <laughs> the whole band, oh, and and their whole library of music. Yeah, let's just put that in there. Plus a little morbid angel. Why not? Oh man, faders. Well, thank you very much for uh, staying to the very end of this episode. Wow, dude, epically horrific. And um, yeah, after this, we're gonna have to like kind of move into pop culture, some stuff to do on uh, Wednesdays and Fridays, I guess. Because I mean, shit, dude. There's not a lot of news happening, and a lot of the news that we're getting these days is quite repetitive. Just like people robbing other people on the streets, husbands and wives killing each other. Every so often, we get something a little unusual. But uh, yeah, dude, we're gonna have to come up with something if we're gonna do three, four shows a week. Week. Maybe a few more interviews here and there or something. Um, Faders, but don't worry. We're going to be creative and we're going to have something entertaining for you. Hopefully uh, more comedy than murder. <laughs> oh, God, this episode was fucked. This episode was really bad. I I'm glad pretty much everybody died. <laughs> the bad guys. The bad guys. The bad guys died. Uh, like I said, like also I should, should mention... Um, this is a recent crime, so like they haven't executed him yet. So these two fuckers are like still sitting in prison. Holy, are you serious? Yeah, dude. This this happened during yeah, dude. This happened during the nineties. So, no, he's been in he's been in prison for like what thirty years now? Like what 20, 25 years? Ninety six? Ninety? Yeah, like what twenty two years or twenty four years? That is insane, dude. I mean, dude, what are they waiting for? What are they waiting for? I, I don't know, man. It's because, like, it seems like years ago, like, in Japan, if you read about the crimes, like, you know, after, like, you know, they went through the court system, like, they sentenced and, like, they were going to be executed. And, like, you know, they got it over with, like, quick, like, you know, within, like, you know, a year or two or three, I mean, sentence. But now it's just, like, I don't know. Too much paperwork. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're... Too much paperwork yeah. and it costs money. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's I don't, insane. I don't know, man. You know, yeah, you know, you know. If you if you're being honest though, like sitting in prison for this long has got to fucking suck. Because think about it, man. It's it's all solitary confinement. So this guy's got to fucking basically sit in the corner and think about what he's done. No, man. Fucking the human body adapts, dude. So fucking after like maybe the first like six months was horrible, but then he probably just got used to it. I mean, he's been there for twenty fucking years, man. So I mean, yeah, he's definitely in solitary confinement, and that does suck. That's there's nothing fun about that. But I mean, the human body adapts. You can pretty much adapt to anything, man. Fucking pretty much right now. There's like a whole world of people that are 
in solitary confinement and shit. Dude, we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic and shit. Dude, I barely leave my house. I haven't left my house in like fucking two months pretty much, dude. So, I mean, you kind of get used to it. Then again, I've got a lot more stuff to do here than he has in his fucking cell. So, but anyway, fuck this guy. And booze. Yeah, that's true. We do have a lot of booze. Anyway, they should be pulling his rope, not choking his chicken. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, faders, thank you very much for tuning into this episode of Got Faded Japan. Uh, next episode, we are going to read the news, and we do have some news. We do got some good stories out there for you. And um, yeah, we are going to entertain you with that. And uh, we do have a Patreon. You know what to do. Go there, sign up. It costs five bucks, and you get a lot of cool stuff. And uh, let's see. We've got the Facebook and the Instagram. So go there, and uh, yeah, it's free. Check that stuff out. Like it. Don't like it. Do whatever. It's all good. It's all good. And on that note, uh, Tom, anything else? Yeah, like I think you covered most of the stuff, but like uh, on, on Wednesday, hopefully, if I can actually get the research done, we'd like to talk about the one, the only, the original OG Gaijin Samurai, the Afro Samurai. Oh, my God. Black Samurai is going to be so dope. Okay, awesome, dude. Yeah, so we're going to do that on Wednesday? Wednesday? Uh, no Tommy, process. hello? No, no Wednesday? Yeah, yeah. Let's do a Wednesday. Okay, no, no promises if I can get the research done, dude, because, like, I, I think this is a really cool story to tell. But, like, how do you say, like, I, I want to do it right. So I'd rather do I'd rather delay it a little bit and make sure it's done right. Just like just case in point, the last story, if you thought it was like fucked up and everything. But this like that that article took me a while together. And I, I didn't even write most of it. I just shelled together research for about six or seven other articles. I think that you I just read Wikipedia. <laughs> you're just reading Wikipedia and you're like, I'm doing a lot of work for the show, guys. All right. Well, all right. Black uh, Samurai uh, is going to be fucking the shit, dude. I can't wait for that. Dude, we're going to cover that. It's going to be fucking epic. All right. On that note, I'm fucking out of here, man. I need another drink and probably so do you. So, Faders, you know what to do. Patreon, iTunes, Facebook, Instagram. Hook us up and we'll see you soon. Peace. Bye-bye. Yo, what's up, feeders? The end of the show song this week is by Dogs. That's D-O-G-S, and they are fucking hardcore. They've been on the show before, and the name of this track is very appropriate. The name of this track is Tooth Grinder. Enjoy and fade on.
took some vampire. Well, you wait till mom finds out, buddy. I've got a government job to abuse and a lonely wife to fuck. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. How the pressure! I can't take it! I can't take it! I can't stand to it! You sure I should do this, man? We're going freaky! We came, we saw, we kicked his ass! Your move, creep. Man. I will never forgive your ass for this shit. This is some fucked up repugnant shit. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold.